We're going to have our, our Bible reading as uh, Lottie will come to read. Um, uh, today we're, we're looking at Psalm 70. Uh, on the face of it, 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 it might seem a little random, a bit of a kind of a, a one-off, um, a bit of a jump away uh, from Easter until we uh, kick off 1 Timothy uh, next week. Uh, and I suppose humanly speaking, it, it is a bit like that. It is a bit of a, a, a one-off. But in all the years that I've been involved in some sort of Christian ministry, the, the one thing I know is that there's nothing that happens by chance. Um, so although, yes, it is a bit of a one-off tonight, yes, we are sort of just diving into Psalm 70 for this evening, I trust that actually uh, whatever plans we had or reasons we chose it, actually the Lord knows what he's doing. So um, let's listen to Psalm 70 uh, and then we'll open it up uh, afterwards. Tonight's reading is from Psalm 70. This can be found on page 584 of the Church Bibles. Hasten, O God, to save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May those who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, turn back because of their shame. And may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. Thank you, Lottie. Um, the Psalms are, are often rightly referred to as the, the songbook of the soul because they, they convey a, a, a whole breadth of human emotion, at the lows to the highs. Uh, and our, our psalm this evening contains a whole variety of that emotion, the lows and the highs. Uh, and actually, even when we come to study the psalms, it, it can even feel a little bit like um, a deck of cards that you've just chucked on the floor. Like it's just a bit random. That, that, you know, there's, there's Psalm 23 that I just sort of pick up when I want the, my shepherd. And then there's, you know, Psalm 103, which I you know, used earlier for confession. Uh, and we sort of just pick at random as if there's no order to them. But that's not quite how the Psalms are put together. In fact, actually, there is an order to them. They have been deliberately put in this way. So Psalm 70 deliberately comes after... Psalm 69. And you can glance up and see that Psalm 69 has 36 verses. Our psalm has five verses. You might glance through and, uh, and you see some words from Psalm 69. You, you might see the top there, uh, page 584, uh, verse 24 of Psalm 69. Pour out your wrath on them. Uh, let your fierce anger overtake them. May their, <clears throat> may their place be deserted. Let them be no one to dwell in their tents. Uh, and we see that David is just pouring out his heart. He's asking some things that are quite hard to hear. But really what he's asking for is justice. And then we come to Psalm 70. And we have exactly the same story again. Hasten, O God, to save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May those who want to take me life be, be put to confusion and shame. David is really repeating 
the same idea. Now, obviously, David didn't write, um, he, he didn't sort of collate the book of Psalms. But the editor did, said, actually, no, we're going to have these two Psalms next to each other. Why? Because sometimes it's good to hear the same things again. Sometimes it's good to have the same truth uh, put into us again. You know, in the same sort of way how you might eat a vegetable, for me, uh, broccoli, and eventually you like it because you're repeating it. It's getting you in. It's getting into you. It's that sort of line that comes into you. Or or if I kind of went, uh, mana, mana, you go. There you go, it works. That sense is that, that tune that's in you. You know it's part of you. You've heard it so many times, you know what to come. And here, David, you're having the same repeated theme coming through. So when we look at the Psalms, and we look at these, this Psalm particularly, we're not having something new. We're having that same repeated theme. We're having that, that same idea that David is praying for his enemies to get their just reward and that God's people will delight in him. So as we start, let's pray that that might happen for us too. Father, we thank you for the Psalms. We thank you for the, the book as a whole, for the comfort it brings in so many different situations. And we pray now as we look at this short Psalm, that actually you may bring comfort, peace, maybe even challenge, just where we need it this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, There are some situations in life when you you feel like you're in a rush. Uh, To be honest, that feels like any time I want to get the kids out of the house into the car. It's like, put your coat on. No, 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 just get it going. It just feels like we always push for time. There's that sort of rush. And then there's another sort of rush, isn't there, when you, uh, you come across somebody who's in need. And you're like, they need help now. You know, they've got to get to the doctor, get to the hospital. Like, like there's something that needs to be done right this minute. And there's a, another sort of rush, I think, um, which is what I think we see in Psalm 70. And it's a bit like when a, a soldier is pinned down. They've got bullets just flying over the head. They're just sort of pinned down and they're, they're desperately on the radio calling in for the, the airstrike to come, the backup. It's that rush of like, we need help now. Psalm 70 verse 1. Hasten, hasten, O God, to save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. Hasten to come. Hasten, come, come. Like David is in that situation with the bullets. He wants help and he wants it now. Now, we don't know what the problem is. Sometimes when we read the Psalms, it will say uh, right at the beginning, oh, this happened when. Uh, this happened when, uh, so Psalm 51. You know, this happened when David... Uh, committed adultery of Bathsheba and Nathan went to see him. Sometimes we get that. And if it is, that it's helpful to go look at that event and find out what happened. A lot of the time we don't. And if we don't, please don't try and work out where in David's life it was happening. Don't say, oh, this must have been the time when David did this. 
if we were meant to know, the Lord would have told us. Because the danger is then we, we tie it down to this very specific situation rather than allowing it to speak into every situation. So we, we don't know what David is happening. With David, it could have been very literally, he could have been facing those arrows above his head. Or it could have been more metaphorical. We, we, we don't know, but, but he wants the Lord to act and act quickly. And to do what? Verses 2 and 3. May those who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. Uh, May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. Uh, May those who say to me, aha, aha, turn back because of their shame. Uh, What he's asking really, he's asking that the the enemies of God, or his enemies rather, will have done to them what they want to do to him. He wants them to experience the pain that they want to inflict. Or or as my uh, former Old Testament Testament lecturer, Eric Ortland, said, um, he's saying, let them be ashamed who seek my life. Uh, Let their murderous purposes for me be defeated and exposed as the futile, twisted, stupid things they are. So that's what David's praying. Let them be found out. Let their plans be foiled. That all who seek to bring him down, to to bring down God's king, that God's purposes will will discover that it's just pointless. Fighting against God is never a good idea. It never ends well. And that's what David's praying for. See, David is is not asking for more than justice. More than justice at the hands of the Lord. So actually, it's quite reasonable, really. We might say that verses 2 and 3 are are, are reasonable. But if they're reasonable, then verse 4 is exceptional. But may all who seek you Rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. David, the soldier under fire with bullets flying above his head, who's pinned down, who's desperate for help. He's saying, Lord, come, come quick. Says, may all who trust in you rejoice. Rejoice. Uh, Not simply rejoice, but say, the Lord is great. See, David knows that his circumstances don't define him. Uh, He knows that the particular time and place he finds himself in does not define him. Uh, David knows that it is the Lord and the Lord alone defines him. Even though at the moment he's, he's pinned down, that he's having these bullets just flying above him, it doesn't change for a nanosecond who the Lord is. It doesn't change what the Lord's done. It doesn't change his ongoing care and protection. So David is able to, to cry out 
the Lord is great. He, he knows, verse 5, he says, but as for me, I'm poor and needy. He, he knows, again, verse 5, that he needs help. You're my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. But his delight, his hope is in the Lord. So what does it mean then? What does this psalm mean for us? Because if the, if the psalms are songs, what would it mean for us to sing it? If the band were to lead us in it, what would we be singing? Well, it's not an easy question to answer. Because, of course, we, we live in a different historical context, don't we? Uh, we're not Israelites in the time of kings. Uh, more than that, actually, we stand in a different theological context. Uh, we stand uh, 2,000 years after Jesus, uh, not 1,000 years before Jesus. So when we come to ask ourselves that question, what, what does it mean for us to sing this psalm? Uh, there's a question we should ask before that. Uh, which is, what, what does it mean for Jesus to sing this psalm? Uh, what would it mean for, for Jesus to have this psalm upon his lips? And then when we ask that question, it just opens up the psalm completely. Because of course, Jesus is the one who faced the challenge of enemies, who faced the, the power of those trying to bring him down. He knew what suffering was like. He knew the, the bullets flying over the head. But yet his hope, his trust, was wholly in the Lord. He was able to say that, that I will trust the Lord in this situation. He is my deliverer. Because when we ask that question, when we realize what it means for Jesus to say these words, we can sing them not in some sort of vain hope. Lord, will you, will you come to my aid? We say them with absolute certainty because we know. But we know what the Lord will do because he's already done it. Now, we know that he's our deliverer. We, we know that as a sure fact because Jesus is the one who came to seek and save the lost. It changes the whole way these, these psalms is upon our lips. Because there, there may well be moments in life when we do feel like we have the bullets flying over our head. It may be even this evening that is how you feel. You feel that there is that sense of, of those bullets flying and you're saying, Lord, come quick. As a pastor, I have the privilege of standing alongside folk to, to hear the bullets with them as they fly, to cry with them and to cry out with them. Hasten, O oh God, save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. Maybe that's you this evening. There's no situation that you will find yourselves in when you cannot 
call out to the Lord and say, hasten, O God, to save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. It's okay to pray that prayer. It's okay to say, Lord, save me, help me. It's okay uh, to pray the prayer of verses two and three, to say, Lord, I want justice. Lord, I I want those who, who are seeking bad for me to seek ill for me. To face what they want. It's okay to be praying the prayers of verses 1, 2, and 3. That's exactly what David does. But did you notice, though, what he's actually praying? He's saying, Lord, I entrust myself to you. He's not saying, I'm going to get revenge on those people. He's saying, Lord, you, you, you save me. Lord, you do something. Can you pray that? Entrusting ourselves fully to the Lord. Easier said than done. It's okay to pray for justice. It's okay to say, Lord, this is really hard. In fact, I want out. (laughs) And I want justice, Lord. It's okay to pray that. But we cannot pray that alone. We must also pray verse 4. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. To to say, no, no matter what happens, you're great. I will be glad in you. Uh, Elizabeth Elliot, the the wife of Jim Elliot, the missionary uh, who was killed in South America, uh, went on to to continue his work and then uh, wrote many different things. But she said this, the secret is Christ in me not me in a different set of circumstances. The secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. Uh, The secret, it's okay to say, Lord, I want out. Uh, Lord, can you change the situation? But the secret is that even if it doesn't change, Christ in me, not me, in a different set of circumstances. It's okay to say, Lord, I want out, but in the same breath to say, but I will cling to you. I will hold you because you hold me. We're Christians not because we have a God who who waves a magic wand and all our troubles disappear. He loves us far too much for that. We have a God who says, all you go through every single moment I will be with you and I will work for your good. You may not realize it or know it, but I will utterly, I'm utterly, utterly committed to working for your good. Because we have a God who uses all things for our good. Joni Erickson Tarder who had a, a diving accident at the age of 17 and became paralyzed, <coughs> uh, said this. 
he, God, has chosen uh, not to heal me. She is paralyzed from the shoulders down. God has chosen not to heal me, but to hold me. The more intense the pain, the closer his embrace. The greatest good suffering can do for me is to increase my capacity for God. Real satisfaction comes not in understanding God's motives, but in understanding his character, in trusting in his promises, and in leaning on him and resting in him as the sovereign who knows what he is doing and does all things well. He's chosen not to heal me, but to hold me. Our psalm this evening calls us to to lean upon God, to say, whatever my circumstances, whatever will befall, I will rejoice and be glad. I will say, Lord, you are always enough. The Lord is great. And if we do that, we'll never regret it. I don't know one person who has ever said, I regret trusting the Lord. I don't know one person who said, I I regret handing this situation over and saying, Lord, you know what you're doing. I don't know one person uh, who has said, I regret thinking the Lord was enough. I know quite a few have done the opposite. Not least me. So why do we have this confidence? Verse 5. Yet I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. Our confidence is not in ourselves. We are poor and needy. Our confidence is in the Lord. The one who died upon the tree as we've just had at Easter died and rose again. But as we already said, we, we have that certainty because of what he has done. So today, as we take these words on our lips, uh, we do so knowing that whatever situation we face, the good, the bad, or the plain ugly, we will never be abandoned, never forsaken, because God himself has come to seek and save us, to bring us home. So today, we can be glad in the Lord. But how? How can we do that? You won't be surprised. There there are no silver bullets. There are no kind of, you know, take this pill five times a week and you'll be fine. But I think one simple thing is time. If I want to know somebody better, spend time with them. If uh, Morag, my wife and I have, don't have time together, it's not a good thing. You need time to be with people, time to know them, to be with friends. Time, which is not kind of, you know, spent doing something else. So, uh, not where kind of somebody's in the, you know, you don't have time. We're in the same house, but we're not really together. Someone's in the lounge, someone's in the kitchen, and we've got time together. 
Well, you're in the same house. No, true time, undisturbed time, time together, time together as God's people. Uh, Coming this evening, the very fact you walked through the door and came to church, that you bring your life here, not leave it out there, but bring it in here, bring it before the Lord, is a moment just to say, I trust you. And this is hard, but I trust you. At a time that we, uh, we spend in the Bible, listening to sermons, going to small groups, KO, on our own. Not time sort of flittering, doing other things and sort of just having it as a quick flick through. That scrolling, as Stephen said last week. But time with God. Time to, to sink. Time to sing on a Sunday. Time to sing in the week. You can sing on your own. No one else can hear you. Time to weep. To say, Lord, this is hard. It might be hard for you, or, or it might be you're saying that for somebody else. But time to weep. Time to delight. This is really good. Time to be. So as we close, the psalm asked ourselves the question, where is our delight? Is it in our circumstances? Is it, you know, are we happy because our life is happy? Or are we happy because we have a God who left the glories of heaven, who delved into the pit of the earth, into the, the heart of sin, bled upon a cross for you and for me, and then rose again in glory so that you and I could be with him for eternity. So that no matter what situation or circumstance we face, the good, the bad, or the ugly, we know we're loved. We're kept. That's the God I need to remember. That's the God who will hold me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words. We thank you that you will hold us that the secret is not simply changing our circumstance and situation, but remembering that you are present in the situation. Help us, Lord, to remember that Christ is with us, and if he is with us, he will hold us and keep us. In Jesus' name, amen.